Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Please meet Alexis Genotis and Kathleen Mignano, Kathy for short. Both work for the International Finance Corporation, the IFC, which is part of the World Bank. As operations officers, they focus on gender and economic inclusion. During this podcast, we hear Alexis and Kathy share the latest thinking on inclusive business, from the business case to live examples. You will find out about their new research, leveraging inclusive business models to support the base of the pyramid during COVID-19, including practical insights that could assist the development of new business propositions, models and opportunities. Prior to joining the IFC in 2013, Kathy worked with the United States Agency for International Development, USAID, on public and private partnerships. Whilst Alexis worked for several years as a strategy consultant to pharmaceutical and biotech companies in developed and emerging markets, Kathy holds a Master's of Science in Foreign Service from Georgetown University, whilst Alexis holds a Master's degree in Public Policy from the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. So Kathy, Alexis, welcome. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Hi, Katie. So Alexis, turning to you first, you are part of the IFC. Can you share a little bit about what the organization does and your role? Sure. Well, IFC is part of the World Bank Group and is focused on contributing to the, the bank goals of ending extreme poverty and boosting shared prosperity, but specifically focusing on that angle through the private sector. So we provide investment and advice to companies in developing countries. And last year alone, we invested over $11 billion in long-term finance. Uh, Kathy and I specifically are on the gender and economic inclusion group, where we focus specifically on IFC's work related to inclusive business and base of the pyramid populations. And this is an important topic for IFC. So I've, uh, inclusive growth has always been a part of our mission, and it will become even more important now as we work to help countries recover from the economic in- contraction caused by the COVID pandemic. So, Kathy, just to bring you in here, could you share a little bit more about what does your team do regarding inclusive business? Sure. So our team works in three ways. We work across the institution and the three things we focus on are first uh, thought leadership. So this is research, case studies, guidance for other investors. The second area is on advisory for our clients. So helping them to integrate the BOP or deepen their engagement with the BOP and their value chains. And the third is developing strategies and frameworks. So helping our operations to identify analyze and measure the inclusiveness of the projects and our investments. Alexis, for those who aren't necessarily aware or akin to this sort of stuff, what do we mean or you mean by inclusive business models? So inclusive business models are basically companies that are working directly with the poor and the underserved, or what we also refer to as the base of the pyramid. So companies will be doing this through potentially different angles. So it could be companies 
working with base of the period market as suppliers, as distributors or retailers, or as customer markets. So if I give you a couple of examples, in the agriculture sector, it's often companies that are sourcing from and training small farmers. And I'll give you an example. So take the, a farmer named Konote in Kenya. He was selling coffee beans locally to whomever he could and was making just enough to cover his family's basic uh, food needs. And then a global trader, which is an inclusive business company, came to that market and started to set up a sustainability service. They started organizing farmers like Kinote into groups and providing training to help them improve the quality of their beans, the yields, and help them access global markets. So for this example, Kinote was able to participate in the service and as a result, start to improve his production of coffee beans, save more money for his family to build a bigger house and farm and start saving for his, his children's education. So that's just ag that we see inclusive business models in all sectors. And in other sectors like retail and consumer goods sectors, it might be companies who are using micro distributor networks to distribute products and services. In other areas, it might be companies providing health, education or infrastructure services to families in low income areas. Kathy, bringing you in, why might bigger businesses and others be interested in these kind of inclusive business models and perhaps aren't these ideas just sort of nice to have but they're really never properly fully realized so i mean it's that's a good question and i i think now it's been almost 10 years since the next 4 billion report came out that first highlighted the the 4 billion people and the 5 trillion dollar consumer market at the bop so i think companies are aware of this the business opportunity but over the years, I think we've seen the business case for inclusive business evolve and grow. And I think you see many companies realize now that if they want to be competitive globally, these are really markets that they can't afford to ignore. In emerging markets, we're still seeing that 80% of grocery and fast-moving consumer goods are sold through traditional trade. So those small mom and pop shops on the corner. For agriculture and food, 80% of the world's cocoa is from smallholder farmers, or 90%, sorry, 80, 80% of coffee. So these are, these are definitely markets that are not companies can't ignore. At the same time, I think that the digital innovations we've seen over the past few years are making, it, making these markets more and more accessible. So whether it's mobile payments, supply chain tracking, information sharing platform, it's getting easier for companies to engage in this space. And lastly, from an investor perspective, I mean, IFC's own portfolio is kind of proof of this opportunity. We've invested over $20 billion in inclusive business over the last 15 years. So it's a, d- definitely an opportunity from the investment perspective as well. Kathy, sticking with you, you've recently released some research entitled Leveraging Inclusive Business Models to Support the Base of the Pyramid During COVID-19. What's really the motivation behind this research? Well, early on in the crisis, this was back in mid-March, we, we knew that BOP was going to be extremely vulnerable. I mean, they still are. I think now as time has passed, it's become more and more apparent how, how vulnerable they are. Health risks are higher if you don't have access to affordable care. You can't social distance in crowded housing. I think all of this has become more obvious as, as we uh, get more and more an understanding of the, the impact of the, this pandemic. At the same time, we knew that the inclusive businesses in our portfolio, they're on the ground in BOP communities. So they see what's happening firsthand. And many of these businesses have been there for a long time. So they have a deep understanding of the the challenges that face their BOP customers and and their BOP suppliers in the agri-sector. 
We also knew that these businesses tend to be more innovative. They've already adapted to integrate the BOP into their value chain. So back then, when we started this paper, our question really was, how are these businesses adapting their business to respond to COVID? And more specifically, how are they adapting their engagement with the BOP? And are there practical lessons that we could take from those inclusive business clients that we have that other companies could then replicate? So Alexis, now bringing you in, what did the research find? Sure. So in the paper, we identified seven different approaches that companies across our portfolio are taking to support the base of the pyramid during COVID-19. And as Kathy mentioned, and you'll notice the title of the paper uses the word leverage because it was all about leveraging strengths, leveraging uh, companies, leveraging their assets, their capabilities, their networks. So not necessarily starting something completely new, but leveraging what they already had in place, adapting and reorienting what they were already doing in these markets to continue to help and assist the poor and the vulnerable during the crisis. And we think that there are opportunities for other companies who have similar business models to learn from these examples and start to adapt their own approaches and start thinking moving forward with the sustained effects of the crisis, how they can continue to adapt and reorient their business models um, in the longer term. And you mentioned um, some approaches that you guys have uncovered as part of that research. Could you share perhaps a few examples of what those approaches might be? Sure. So one approach that we saw was leveraging on-the-ground presence through field staff or technology networks. So inclusive business models often have a high-touch approach on the ground in the communities that they work, where they may be providing a lot of training or marketing or sales support or information to the base of the pyramid. And as a result, they often develop strong relationships and experiences in those communities. And on top of that, a lot of them are already leveraging or developing technology platforms, another sort of way to make sure to continue to be in touch with the community. So with COVID, we saw that they were using these networks that were already in place that were traditionally delivering products or information or or training and reorienting them to start to deliver health information and supplies. And if I give you a couple of examples, so we have one example is in Bangladesh, BRAC, using its field staff of over 100,000 people, but now using them to start to raise awareness, teach teach, um, around hand washing and start to distribute products and information to the community, and even using another grassroots approach around loudspeakers on rickshaws to start messaging in the community around prevention. And then we have examples like on the on the technology side in Africa, a logistics company called Kobo360, using their mobile channels that they'd already set up to text health information to drivers instead of texting them about delivery routes. And then in agriculture, we have a commodity trader called Cargill, which had developed a digital farming application to start to share crop information with smallholder farmers using this application to start to now share health and safety information with co-ops and farmers. So that's one approach. Another approach that might be interesting is adapting products and services. So we see examples where companies are adapting, you know, the shelf life of the products, like a company called Dodla Dairy in India ride-hailing company called Pick Me in Sri Lanka that's shifting from transporting to people to transporting essential goods and other companies who are doing other approaches to adjust technologies or products to uh, utilize contactless approaches for payment and delivery. And then if I give you a third example that we thought was particularly interesting, it's around distribution channels. So 
I kind of mentioned technology earlier, and we do see many companies leveraging technology networks and shifting to online or e-commerce channels. However, these companies are also complementing this with other approaches, particularly to help address the, the digital gap that may exist with the base of the pyramid market. So that means things like companies in the food and retail industry also taking orders over phone or education companies using not just online channels, but radio channels or lending equipment to students to allow them to participate in online learning. Or companies in the healthcare sector, like a, a company called Clinica del Azucar in Mexico, who not only set up a digital health platform, but is also setting up call centers to allow patients to access care in different ways. So those are three approaches that we sort of highlighted in the paper. And we, we think that there are opportunities for other companies with similar business models in these sectors, whether it's microfinance or agribusiness, health and education, to sort of look at how they can leverage their own business models and adopt similar approaches that reflect the context of the market that they're working in and the population they're reaching. So for anybody who's listening to this and they want to get hold of this paper, I'll put the links into the words that sit alongside the podcast so you can go and download it and have a look at it. And I'll also be really cheeky and pop Kathy and Alexis's contact details, not their personal ones, obviously, just their um, <laughs> LinkedIn or something along those lines so that you guys can get in touch and, um, and find out anything more. Kathy, clearly you guys are really at the um, sort of cutting edge of looking at how these inclusive business models are emerging and and what's really going on on the ground. What do you see that's next for you and your team? Obviously, COVID's shown us um, that we need to be flexible and pivot quickly as circumstances change. But that said, we've been focusing on two areas at the moment, one being advancing digital solutions and particularly telehealth solutions that can reach BOP patients. So we're expecting to share some lessons from those and some guidance for other private sector providers this fall. The second area is on inclusive supply chains. So now we see companies are looking for alternative and more reliable sources of supply. So we're trying to see how bringing in underutilized suppliers, whether it's BOP suppliers or women-owned SMEs, bringing them in as a solution to increase resilience across the supply chain. So those are two areas um, that we've been looking at from the inclusive business side. Another thing just to highlight that's exciting for us is that our our group, the Gender and Economic Inclusion Group, has recently expanded our focus. So we'll now be looking at persons with disabilities and sexual and gender minorities as part of our mandate. So it's an exciting time for us as, as those two areas get built out and are included into our program. Alexa, the final question for me today really is we are recording this in the August of 2020, it's been a very peculiar year. There's been a lot of chat around the impacts of COVID-19 and other big social challenges that's really caused, quite frankly, everyone to take a look at the world around them and perhaps take stock or hopefully lean in and take action. As we hopefully try to rebuild better, what do you see as, or what do you hope to be the sort of future that we want? What do you want? I think for me, it's about more equitable society, one where everyone is included, both in the economic activity, but also the social fabric. And this sort of transcends both developed and developing countries, Um, but really where everyone is included, where everyone has the opportunity to prosper and to grow. One where, if we go back to inclusive business, where inclusive business becomes less of a a special topic and, and more of the norm, where other companies start to recognize the opportunity and the need at the base of the pyramid. And this really becomes part of sort of the normal way of doing business. 
So that brings us to the end of this podcast conversation. Alexis and Kathy, thank you very much for your time. And for everybody who is listening to this podcast, as I mentioned earlier, all of the links will be in the little words that sit alongside the podcast. So thank you very much. Thanks so much, Katie. This has been great. Thank you very much for having us. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.